Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. We are a weekly Columbus-centric podcast focusing on the civics, lifestyle, entertainment, and people of our city. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. This week, I sat down with poet, organizer, and journalist Scott Woods to talk about showcasing black art in Columbus, organizing for your own art. We talked about him starting his biggest project to date, the Streetlight Guild, the importance of benefactors and fostering those relationships. And we talked about taking ownership over the uniqueness that is Columbus's culture scene and how to define it. You can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Also, The Confluence Cast is on Patreon. Find out how to support this podcast on our website, theconfluencecast.com, or at patreon.com slash confluence. The Confluence Cast is sponsored this week by Art Makes Columbus, Columbus Makes Art, featuring stories about our city's incredible artists, stories full of inspiration, challenge, passion, and success. For videos, articles, an up-to-the-minute calendar of events, and an artist directory, visit columbusmakesart.com, the resource for all things arts and culture in the capital city. Enjoy the interview. Sitting down here with Scott Woods, author, poet, and artist, also the proprietor, would you say, of the Streetlight Guild? Sure, that sounds good. That's fine. How are you, sir? I am feeling great. Good, good. Thank you again for sitting down. Uh, Scott and I had the opportunity to sit down for the Confluence cast before on the occasion of Holler, uh, which you can hear all about uh, in the previous episode linked in the show notes. Is Holler going to happen again, do you think? No. Okay. <laughs> One time endeavor and that's that's sort of it. Yeah, I mean there's reasons for that, of course. Okay. Good, good ones, I think. Okay. Um so I'm not doing holler again because the whole point of holler was to kind of showcase what Columbus had. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, uh the minute that you make that a regular thing, at least for the purposes of black art here, Mm -hmm. then it just kind of becomes black history month again. Okay. And so people kind of check in on the month that you're doing and they check out on your issues the rest of the time. I see. And so for me, I thought it would be important to show the city, you know, the plethora of art and culture that we had. Right. And then put the onus on the city. You know, if you want to see this again, you can book these artists. You can hire these people. These people will come to you. They live here. You can go to their shows. Mm-hmm. Right. And so would you say that it, the flip side of that is that it accomplished what it set out to do? Absolutely. Great. That's awesome. Yeah. For those not familiar, talk sort of about your background and your bio and your time in Columbus. So I'm from Columbus, right? Great. So raised. And uh, I have been um, working in the city for the public library for over 20 years. Okay. But while I've been kind of doing all the normal living stuff, I'm a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm mostly known for poetry, but okay. that's changed, I'd say, in the last four or five years. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had you know a number of essays go viral. I've put out an essay book on Prince. Right. Um, so, uh, and 
I, you know, now have what is now a weekly column for Alive. And yeah. so I'm staying pretty busy. And then, of course, Streetlight Guild. Yeah, and we'll get to Streetlight Guild in a second. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about your performance poet as well. Mm, yeah. So you're a writing poet and a performance poet. Yeah. How did you get into it? I've talked to a couple other performance poets, and I'm just interested how you got into that space. Because I don't think we really got into it the last time we spoke. Sure. So basically, I was writing poetry, and there was no place to do anything with it. I didn't even know that you should do anything with it. Okay. Other than write it and maybe publish it. Okay. Um, and this would have been around 96 or so. And a rough, not to reveal too mm-hmm. much, but like roughly how old were you at that point? So I was about 25, okay. give or take. Okay. And, um, and so, you know, like I said, I think Columbus may have had like one or two open mics that only the people who went to them knew about. Okay. Right? And certainly no one black. And so around 96, 97 or so, um, Snaps and Taps uh, was created. It was mm-hmm. a, basically a venue downtown. And um, a few guys that got together and put it together. And that was kind of where all of the black artists in the city hung out at that time. Okay. Um, but actually, even even about a year or so before that, I had like a couple of open mics that popped up. Okay. Because of the movie Love Jones. Okay. Which came out like 96. So okay. Around 97, 98, you know, a couple of little black open mics popped up in like apartments or okay. whatever. Okay. And then in what uh, in the same building that Snaps and Taps would become uh, was a, a black theater troupe was in there. Okay. Uh, James Chapman had a troupe in there. And they had just had kind of a throwaway little poetry night in there just to kind of keep the place open. Okay. You know? And so I actually started in Snaps and Taps before it became Snaps and Taps. And then okay. once it became Snaps and Taps, I became an official part of a show. Okay. Right. So were you mm-hmm. like helping to organize it or what was... What was your role there? So initially, I was just a poet. But then when Snaps and Taps opened, they wanted an open mic. And so I signed on to help with that. Okay. Um, had you had any experience sort of facilitating that sort of thing no, before? Okay. Uh, no. So, um, and it was very cool. Like, well, they had approached Vernell Bristow and she came to me. And so we kind of worked on that together. Okay. Basically. And so now, 20 years later, you know, still running the weekly open mic. Yeah. You know, now at Cafe Kerouac, but yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. And so what, I guess I'm curious to learn sort of if your writing evolved from a point when you knew you were going to be performative about it. I'm also curious what you, how you've evolved as somebody who, again, we'll get to Streetlight Guild in a second, but how you have evolved as someone who is putting together those shows and like what's the curation process like? So as a writer, um, yeah, there was evolution, uh, probably both good and bad, right? Okay. So um, once I started performing the work and it was well-received, then that was, you know, as, as an early writer, you tend to write towards the thing that's working. And getting a response, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, and, you know, and that was like a weekly regimen, right? So, okay. you know, I'm, you know, we're cranking out, all of us, we're cranking out like two new poems a week to perform, mm-hmm. you know, in front of an audience, you know, at least two poems a week, right? Right. Uh, but we know we're going to perform two poems a week. And so, you know, there's a little bit of a comp- competitive edge happening and that whole thing happening. So we were creating this scene. Right. You know, there was already poetry here. Let me not, you know, suggest that wasn't the case. But okay. no one was really doing it for the purposes of performance. It certainly wasn't very diverse. Um, and, you know, pretty much all of the poetry that's in the city now that you kind of look at spun out of that initial effort yeah 
Mm-hmm. And talk to the sort of the booking aspect of it and the, the wrangling of the cats, if you will. Yeah. So, you know, at some point, <laughs> if you're running an open mic, at least a poetry open mic, mm-hmm. uh, there is an expectation that somewhere in there you'll have featured readers. Okay. Right. And so um, that's kind of where I got, you know, kind of cut my teeth was in booking poets to come perform. And then and then I started doing it myself. People would request me at other readings okay. in and out of the city and out of the state. And, um, you know, and I, for a little while I had a band with me in the whole nine. Okay. Yeah. And so you learn a lot, you know, just doing that little bit, you know, and. You know, for me, um, I became very involved um, at the national level uh, with a nonprofit poetry organization, Poetry Slam okay. Incorporated, which ran national competitions. Okay. And so I got really kind of, in, you know, inducted into high-level organizing pretty early on. Um, and so I was only just a poet for maybe a few years, and I okay. became an organizer almost right out the gate. Great. Yeah. Talk about Streetlight Guild, which I at least in my mind, is sort of your primary right now, right? It's the primary outlet for uh, your work and, and what you're, it's what you're focused on creatively, I guess, is, is the way I'd want to put it. Yeah. Talk about that organization, how you founded it, because it only opened roughly a month ago in its physical form. Talk about how it got started. So And where the name comes from, actually. Sure. So that's Holler's fault. Okay. Right. Blame Holler. Yeah, totally. Um, I knew doing Holler that it wasn't going to happen again, which enabled me to put all of my effort into it at the time. Right. You know, I didn't miss any of those shows for the entire month, except for one. Okay. And and that's because I was performing. Okay. So um, I knew it wasn't going to happen again. And it was clear very early on that it was working. Okay. That it was creating awareness, that it was changing uh, perceptions that it was um, teaching the artists their value you know it was doing all of these things and I knew that um, once it was over a lot of that might dissipate okay and so I'm generally inclined to consider um, I'm generally inclined toward organization Right. And so for me, it was like, okay, what can I do with this after this? I've climbed that mountain. What's next? Right. And uh, one of the questions that came up at the time um, was from a fan. Right. And they were like, hey, uh, what would it take for you to do this all the time? And I was like, oh, a venue. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, the fan was a guy named Glenn Kaiser. He had been coming out to the open mic for a while and and uh, was a fan and. Uh, I didn't know it when he asked me, but he was asking me because he wanted to help. Okay. He wasn't just being curious. And I didn't know at the time that he had a lot of money. Okay. (laughs) And so in his mind, he's like, okay, well, I'm just going to go find Scott a venue. Okay. And that's basically what happened. Um, I mean, not to be funny, mm -hmm. but he was a patron that became a patron. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah, Okay. Absolutely. And so um, he just started looking for buildings you know, up to my specs, right? Okay. And I was like, yeah, I needed to do this, this, and this. And and then a lot of it is like, you don't know what you're going to, at least I don't know what I might do, right? My ideas are, are vast and they're sometimes wild and new. Right. And so I don't know, one day I'll do an art exhibit. The next day it'll be a poetry show. The next day it'll be five bands. 
I just don't know. And so I need a space that's really mutable, right? Mm -hmm. um, then I was like, oh, but it also has to have outdoor space and this and this and that. And so he just started looking for places and he would send me these emails with these address links and like, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And, and so when did you know he was like, actually for was real? it before that he was that you yeah that he was for real or serious <laughs> yeah no that was pretty much it okay um i mean like i said i'd known him for about a year at that point and he was just okay. a really cool older white guy coming out to the show you okay know? and um and you know and i had you know met his family and i was like oh they're cool that's nice and uh, yeah you know but i didn't really have any perception about you know or what he possessed right what he was capable of and what he was willing to do yeah which is the most important thing right it's like what he, what are you willing to do right and he was willing to buy a building okay you know and so but I, street like mm -hmm. guild existed before the yeah i was doing programming it, right? okay. yeah i was doing programming the whole time okay um and i just started rolling it under this banner of street like guild okay so you know for the in the year that holler happened so 2017 mm -hmm. you know after Holler, I was kind of like taking stock for a few months. But then that ready, you know, not too long after that, I was right back on the organizing horse. Okay. I think at the end of that year, I had come up with the name and the branding and thinking about what it was going to do. And I had done like three art shows just to kick it right out the gate. At different venues, I assume. Yeah. Uh -huh, art of Republic. Okay. Is where those shows. Oh, no. Not only. Second Sight. Okay. was another one in Franklinton. Yeah. And so what's the... If, is there a mission statement? Is there and like what's the structure of the sure. organization? Give me the the nuts and bolts mm -hmm. of it. So the whole point of Streetlight Guild is to create and refine uh, Columbus-based original culture with an emphasis on underrepresented voices. Okay. So it's not absolutely anything, but um, I'm looking to create events, curate events, mm -hmm. um, host events by other people even. Um, that are aimed at uh, Columbus-based artists um, and original work. Okay. Um, in an effort to kind of answer certain questions, or even, preferably, to make certain questions go away. Okay. So, for instance. Yeah, please. I'm tired of having certain discussions about culture in Columbus. Okay. And so, the first question that I wanted to remove from the table was, is there culture in Columbus, right? Right. And, you know, when you're kind of here and you're bouncing around the stuff, it seems pretty obvious, right? Uh, but for some reason, the question persisted. and Even among residents. Yeah. Yeah. It, particularly, right? Like my entire life. And so for me, um, I figured we were probably either not asking the right question or we're not answering it right. Right. And I thought, well, that's a pretty easy question. So let's not try to change the question. Let's see if the question has an answer. And so once you start unpacking what culture is, then the answer is kind of like, well, yes, it has a culture, but not one that we like or not one that we support or not one that we feel defines us as a city very much or, okay. very, or very well. It's not Columbus specific. Okay. Right? There's nothing about the culture that exists here that seem particularly unique. Okay. Right. If I go to New Orleans, I know what that is. If I go to Chicago, I know what that is. If I go to New York, I know what that is. If I go to the Bay Area, I know what that is or right. what, what it used to be. <laughs> so, um, and, and then that's the other part of it too. Like, it's like, so Columbus is changing so fast and all over the place now. How are we defining that moving into the future? That's really important. 
right? That And do you seek yeah. to sort of guide it or do you seek to expose it? Both. Okay. I'm I was super mm-hmm. interested the reason I ask is I'm super interested that you didn't say exhibit or show. Yeah. You said create and refine. Absolutely. Um for me, uh because the question is so it can be so fluid. Um I think when you when you're faced with a really fluid question like that, there are a number of ways that you can kind of navigate it. And I feel like most people who live in Columbus traditionally navigate that question in a way that is not productive. Okay. We kind of get the question and we go, nah, but then we don't really do anything about it. Okay. Or we get the question about culture and we go, well, kinda, but but then we don't support it. And you know, a lot of that again for me with my well, impression a, not to challenge no, well i am going to challenge please. you isn't that a capacity issue right is like folks who most consumers of i would like to think most consumers of the art or excuse me the culture that you're presenting aren't uh producers of it themselves and that's fine right right that's not a prerequisite well but i guess what i heard you say is we don't if we say nah there isn't then anything mm-hmm. then we don't do anything about it what capacity i guess do I those folks ha- have to do something about it yeah no so to me there's at least two prongs there okay right? one is the creator and one is the audience yeah you know everybody doesn't have to be an owner but you should have ownership okay right yeah that's really key so to me um if I say here is a thing and I am saying this thing represents a cultural part of Columbus, mm-hmm. um, Columbus has to accept that, right? It can kind of exist academically, physically in a space and die. Right. Right. And you can say, well, 50 years ago, we used to have this thing, you know. Um, but for me, that's not good enough, right? That's right. not how I want to operate. That's not what I want to leave behind. Um, but but you have to get ownership from people. They have to feel invested in the culture. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it doesn't take much to me for that to happen, but you do have to let them know that that's what they're participating in, you know. Um, and I think that while there's lots of ways to do that, um, many of the ways that Columbus traditionally does that don't stick. Okay. They don't seem original to us. They seem like things we borrow. They seem like or things, things we forced buy. upon us. Yeah, right. You know, or, or we're or we're being sold something that's supposed to be cultural that doesn't relate to the values of what a Columbus resident possesses. Okay, and which I just th- part of. I, I would ask you for examples, but off the top of my head, it's like things like. Um, you know, a touring Broadway show coming through. Like that's not necessarily representative of Columbus culture. Correct. Or can, what other examples can you think of, of like where it's like, this doesn't feel authentically Columbus. Mm. So, Oh man, you're going to get me in trouble here. Well, and I, <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you an example. That's going to get me in trouble. Okay. Okay. So the Harlem Renaissance Initiative that Columbus participated in over the last year. Look at your face right now. I am so I I I think it's good what it was. It felt there were some aspects of it that yeah. It was a missed opportunity. Okay. That's my biggest beef with it. Okay. I love the Harlem Renaissance. I do a Harlem Renaissance show. Right? Yeah. That's not my problem. Okay. Um I you know, look, we should teach it in schools. That's not my issue. My issue 
is if we as a city, right? This is like a this was a citywide initiative. Yeah, it was trumpeted. Huge, it was rep, right? You know, uh, uh, acknowledged at city council. It was yes, it was a big yeah. Big Every, thing. All the all of the cultural nodes were participating, mm-hmm. right? Um, and um, the black creative community was being tapped hard for that campaign, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. And yet it was all, you know, under the onus of something that had absolutely, really, absolutely nothing to do with Columbus. Yeah. It was a missed opportunity. Um, and it's it's even sharper because... We had just revealed through Holler, through the things that came out of Holler, yeah. that we had the talent, we had the level of talent, we had the quantity of talent um, to carry a campaign like that. Yeah. And yet, seemingly, I booked more people for Holler than they did in an entire year for that campaign. Okay. In terms of like just nameable acts, right? Right. Well, and it, yours wasn't under the, just to put a finer note on it for those that aren't familiar, but I think you can get it from its title. It's under the auspices of the centennial of a different city. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Which we don't really have, unless I'm unfamiliar, have any um, the con- pro- proper connection the to The connection it. is tenuous at best. Yeah. That was an opportunity where we could have stood up and said, look, if we want to celebrate the black artists that live here, we have them. Yeah. Like, ignorance I, well, is no I, longer an could, excuse. What's funny to me is you are the guy who could stand in the room and raise your hand and say, I did this or I did that. Let's keep, you know. Well, I mean, look, and I'm no secret, right? Right. They know I exist. They Gave me an award for Holler. Yeah. So, well, and they financially supported Holler, if yeah. I cur- remember correctly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, to my mind, they put on the thing that they intended to put on for whatever reason they intended to put it on. But it wasn't to showcase Columbus culture or to create it. Mm-hmm. Ta- so the flip side of that coin, talk about the programming and specifically like what types of things people can see at Streetlight Guild. Sure. So... Um, again, this is going to be, you know, largely uh, original work. So I'm going to artists, uh, many of whom may not have opportunities in their normal careers um, to express themselves very specifically. Say, this is the thing that is yours, right? Um, show me, um, understanding what the mission of my venue is, show me the work that you would create under the onus of that mission. Okay. Right? I'm looking for something that is, you know, original, something that is Columbus, something that is you. Um, and so I'm not really doing cover bands. Right. Right. Um, and the work that is showing up there, you know, the artwork, the music, um, you know, the the poetry that's showing up there, mm-hmm. um, that's all um, in, F, in an aid to capture and refine what it is that the artists here are doing. Okay. It's a really big deal for some bands to be able to go somewhere. And the expectation is that we will hear your music. Right. Right. For the night, the whole night, you know, and that people will pay to hear it, you know, in a nice place, not in, 
you know, a hovel, right? Right. So, um, and that that will be advertised, that that will be the benefit of coming to the show will be to hear something that we are not familiar with. And so now not only am I helping the artist, but I'm creating this expectation in the audience that this is a place, this is an institution, hopefully, eventually. Right. Um, where you can still be surprised. Yeah. Right. That's the goal for me. Okay. Like, I want to go somewhere and be surprised. And even in the, I almost say long term, but what I hope it is, is medium term, that folks can look at maybe a lineup of what's coming up and not know what it is, but know based on what they've seen there on the, in the past that it's worthwhile. Exactly. Um, so in addition to the the things that you've mentioned, there's, you know, you guys do writing workshops, right? I mm-hmm. think... I've seen some performance art pieces, which I would consider performance art, sort of interacting with the audience in in a more uh, experiential way than a traditional poetry reading, stuff like that. I really, I'm, you know, obviously I follow you on social media, and so I see that sort of stuff. Um, talk about the the stru- Is it a nonprofit? Is it what's the structure of the organization? It is a nonprofit. Okay. Yeah. And so you've. You've got a board. You've, you're, I imagine, possibly still pursuing the, you know, nonprofit status and all that stuff. How's that? The, how's the structural stuff going? So we've had the status for a year. Okay, great. Yeah. So um, actually, longer than a year. Okay. So we had that going into the building, right? Got it. Um, and you know, mostly I'm just kind of like, okay, I guess that's what you're supposed to do when yeah. you do this kind of thing, you know. Um, it's, it affords me certain opportunities to be a nonprofit, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but you know, look, traditionally I'm, I'm a hustler, man. I'm a street guy. And so I like to give people what they pay for. And so generally speaking, you know, that's how we make our bones. You know, you walk in the door, you pay, I give, that's how that works. Okay. So I don't spend a lot of time chasing down grants and stuff like that. There's not a big capital campaign coming. Mm, I don't think so. Thankfully you had a benefactor, (laughs) right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it still has to make a monthly nut, right? Okay. You know, so let's not forget that. It's not free. It is not. (laughs) So I got keys, but I still got bills. Right. Right. Well, Andrew's still working for the library system, right? But I went down to part-time. Congratulations. Yeah, so that's, that's how great. good I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yeah. I, I assume you're the only employee? I mean, You've got some volunteers? Yeah, I'm, I am okay. the only everything. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. So if, th- if there's ever anything happening there right now, I'm there. Okay. All right. So when I got to clean it up and I got to, you know, make sure the grass is cut, all that stuff. That's all that, great. All that awesome owning a business stuff. Right. <laughs> and so that, I mean, that's how you view it though. Like that's oh, why I, you know, it's a nonprofit, but like you view it as like, I'm running this business and this is how you got to do budgets. You got to figure out like how, you know, what programming do you need to line up in order to fulfill that? Yeah. And to be, it's not a large venue. Like what's no. your, what's your seated capacity? So on the first floor, which is the performance space, you know, we're looking at like 50 people. Okay. Right. Um, and in the second floor art gallery, I've put on some workshops in there, you know, capacities like 15, 20. Okay. Um, that's all phase one stuff. There all are right. a couple of phases happening. Can you reveal the, sure, yeah, sure. tell me. So phase two, and this is why I needed a certain kind of space, um, is to develop the outside. Right. And so there's like a back space that will be developed and fenced in and it'll have a proper stage. And, mm-hmm. For things that are larger, so that, you know, can do anywhere between like 100, 
200 people maybe. And where exactly is the space? This is on East Main Street, 1367 okay. East Main Street. So oh. it's between Miller Kelton. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what did it used to be? Hmm. So it used to be a really, really big house. Okay. And the building itself is over 100 years old. Okay. Uh, the last thing that it was, because it's been a lot of things in that century. Okay. Um, was a set of hair salons. Okay. Right. And so it's um, and on the two floors and... They just had set up shop in there for a long time. Okay. Um, but, you know, the building was old. Uh, there was a lot of work that had to happen to it. We spent over a year getting that building together. Oh, wow. Okay. And, um, and everything had to come out, right? We had to change anything that's not a brick, we had to replace. Got it. Yeah. That's a lot. That's everything. Talk about your evolution of. Because you've done sort of cultural criticism and thinking specifically about the Book of Prince essays. Mm-hmm. I know you've done some work surrounding uh, Stephen King, which you can get in. To, I'm super curious about this. Yeah. And I know uh, that I'm not going to talk about it correctly. Do you read Stephen King? I have read some Stephen King. Uh, talk about sort of what specifically you focused on with Stephen King. So I do a lecture. Okay. An, an ever-evolving lecture called Stephen King's Magical Negroes. Mm-hmm. And I basically originally set out to just focus on how Stephen King used the magical Negro trope in his stories. But in doing that research, it turns out I needed to cover how he treated all black characters in his stories. Okay. And whether they were magical or not, right? And this is not... and. Forgive my ignorance on mm-hmm. the issue. This is not his trope, though, right? This no, is just one that he it, act, no. right, <laughs> right, right? Okay. Yeah, no, it's a it's a pretty timeless trope, right? Mm-hmm. But um, you know, plenty of examples in history of that. Yeah. But uh, he is a factory <laughs> of magical Negroes, man. Yeah. And is that and uh, so I use criticism interchangeably right of mm-hmm. someone being uh, uh critical of something and then someone critiquing something sure. uh do you feel like that lecture is you being critical of utilizing that trope that's my perception of it in sort of this funny way almost yeah right? yeah and okay. it's and it is a lot of fun to do it can there are parts that are tough to hear yeah you know we're challenging no, they're tough. Okay. <laughs> they're downright tough. When I read certain passages okay. from his books, it's like, oh, you know. Um, no, they're definitely critical, but I don't think, at least for me, I can't spend that much time and energy on something, even critically, that on some level I don't love. Okay. And that's kind of how it all started, right? I love Stephen King. I grew up on Stephen King. Okay. I didn't get hip to the problems until much later on. Okay. You know. Do you think that you just overlooked them? I didn't know. Okay. You just don't know to look for them. Okay. You know? At least well, in my background, you, I didn't know. And I am I apologize. I'm sure I covered this in the other episode. Please. What's your educational background? So I graduated high school okay. from Worley, which is no longer there. Um, and I went was to that Columbus uh, yeah. Public. Well, no, it was a Catholic school. But oh, it was okay. In Columbus, yeah. Got it. South End, but it's like the fire department burns down buildings on it now or something. Okay. But um, and I went to Ohio State for two quarters, where they were still using quarters at the time. Yeah. And then they kicked me out. Okay. And then I went to Columbus State for about a year and a half, and then I dropped out. Okay. That's it. 
the rest of it is just me and a library card. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, and a library career then eh. after that. Eh. It's not like they teach you anything on the job. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, there's a little bit. There's of plenty of librarians who don't read. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. And then the, the now newly weekly column that you're doing for Columbus Alive, mm-hmm. is that the first time that you've sort of done basically civic criticism is how I think of it? In an official capacity, yeah. Okay. Like, I blogged about that kind of thing. Okay. You know, over the years, off and on, whatever. But um, but now you got to turn it out. Yeah, now I'm a journalist, apparently, which is new. Mm-hmm. I wasn't looking to add that to the resume. Do you view it as, and I, again, I don't mean to challenge you here. Please. Do you view it as journalism or that you're a columnist? I didn't view it that way, but I've been told by journalists that's what it is. So Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, yeah. So what, and talk, for those that aren't familiar with it, talk about some of the subject matters that you, because you are given uh, some leeway. Carte blanche. Okay. You're, the only thing they tell me to do is get it under a certain word count, but after that, they don't tell me what to write at all. Okay. Yeah. So what have you been interested in? What are What's the subject matter that you're covering? So I thought it was going to be kind of a, city expose kind of thing i would go to cool places and i would go ah here's a cool new thing and and then maybe run it through the lens of something cultural or something civic or something political you know but um as it turns out you know i only get 450 words okay they don't mind if i go a little over that but i like the challenge of trying to write short because i usually don't right and so um as it turns out it's hard to do that kind of thing in 450 words yeah right to expose people to well, this. Well, to properly do it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, to do it well. Yeah, because you know? otherwise you're just sort of regurgitating, I did this thing and this is what yeah, it's like. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And so um, so I realized right away that, you know, to kind of do that right consistently, I wasn't going to be able to accomplish that. You know, I was going to find some cool person doing some cool thing, and then I would get four paragraphs to talk about them, and then on to the next thing. Yeah. And I didn't feel comfortable with that. And so I do some of that a little bit, kind of, sort of, right? Okay. Uh, but um, but more, I find that I'm really kind of into the columns that kind of unpack all of these questions that we um, are either asking as a city or we don't know to ask. Okay. I'm more interested in the questions we don't know to ask. Okay. Right. Um, because everybody has an opinion and we all think they're right about what Columbus is, where it's going, what it's doing right, what it's doing wrong. But it's interestingly enough, you know, the the spectrum of those opinions is pretty vast. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like on one end, it's like save the crew is an amazing political movement. And on the other end, it's like my house has, you know, I've been evicted from my house. Mm-hmm. You know, and I am poor and gentrified, you know. Yeah. And so somewhere in the middle is Columbus, the the actual Columbus, mm-hmm. the critical mass Columbus. Yeah. And that's what I'm kind of interested in. We can do the fringes all day. And, and there are times when I do. Yeah. Time, but I'm usually winging in the fringes to make a critical mass point. Okay. You know, or to or to raise a critical mass question. Yeah. You know, I'm very interested 
and, and, it, and it all kind of comes down to, va- to culture, right? Um, you know, when I write about what are the values of Columbus, I'm not, I mean, I don't know what those values are. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we've settled on a set of values, but I do know that we can look at what Columbus does as a city, not on the fringe, right? Right. What do we generally tend to do? That is our value. And whatever our values are is where our culture comes from. Right. Well, and I, and the critique that you make there is that are those the values that we should have? Yeah. I mean, look, it's wholly possible that, um, you know, our values are breweries, you know, that that is our culture. That could very well be the answer. But until we interrogate that, I'm not satisfied with it. Good. So, you know, with Streetlight Guild, with the column, with mm-hmm. everything that I do, I'm interrogating that question, you know, is and this the answer? And the thing that I like about your work is that you can tell that it's not, it's certainly not dismissive because you wouldn't be doing it, um, either the column or Streetlight Guild, that you have a passion for Columbus and it's, I think it's actually inappropriate to try and use any metaphor here. You want it to do better. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, but mostly because I don't think that it's too late. Okay. If I thought it was too late, I'd stop right now. Okay. Right. I, I'd sell that building. I would stop that column and I'd move. Okay. If I thought it was too late. What are the things outside of your purview? This is the, the cue for you. Cause I think I gave it to you before that, we're sort of like coming to an end, sadly. And I imagine, I hope two years from now, you're going to come back and we'll talk about another set of things or how Streetlight Guild has evolved. Mm. Um, talk about the things, they can be within your purview, but preferably outside that you think Columbus is doing well. And I am going to follow that up with what are the things outside your purview that you think Columbus could do better? Columbus is really great at higher education. Columbus is really great at business. Columbus is really great at selling. What are the things it can do better? Well, it could start. And maybe I shouldn't have added the outside your purview. No, that's fine. Okay. That's fine. No, um, because Lord knows I can't be everywhere at once. Um, <laughs> contrary to rumor, a good place to start would be schools. Mm-hmm. Our schools are abysmal. Um, our political, um, machine is completely broken. Okay. Um, I wouldn't mind, you know, a safer police system. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think easing up on the development to think about and to better aim it at, you know, um, developing the city that is here and the residents that are here as opposed to the residents that will come mm-hmm. um, would be a good place to start. You know, those are, you know, those are all fairly lofty, but pretty necessary to me. Yeah. If you want to improve. What are things that you think folks should be checking out in addition to the Streetlight Guild? In aid of? Uh, no, just things that you, 
again, holler was the, for the purpose of exposing an audience to a culture that existed but wasn't getting an audience, mm -hmm. right? What are the other things that we should be encouraging and holding up with our dollars and our patronage to make sure that they stick around? Mm. So I'm going to answer Who, that. Who's yeah. doing good work is the, is the short, shorter version of that. Well, here, I'm going to answer that question a little differently than I think people might. Okay. And you can tell me if this isn't what you're looking for, and I'll try again. Okay. I'm really into the idea of shoring up what we have. Mm -hmm. um, mostly because the institutions and organizations that we have, um, while they may be not on the mark or a little tone deaf here and there, or um, you know maybe not doing everything that we think that they should be doing as institutions, as cultural organizations, they are finally more aware of those deficiencies and they at least seem receptive mm -hmm. to improvement. And so for instance, um, the art museum, mm -hmm. right? Um, there was a time when it was just the art museum and it had art and you either went once a year or you didn't, or you went on a school trip or you didn't. And they've taken uh, great pains in the last few years, mm -hmm. right, recently, um, to be more than that. And some of that is external, right? Some of that is external to the field, right? That's kind of what the museum industry is dealing with everywhere. Okay. You know, are we diverse enough? Are we doing the right things? So on and so forth. Um, but our museum specifically, um, you know, the crew that's in there right now is very receptive, very open, very hardworking. They're trying to create a museum that is reflective of the city mm -hmm. and they are very aware of how they're not doing that okay traditionally right i've been in there multiple times talking to them you know uh they read my column right yeah you know so they are hip but they need to know what to do with the hip and so i'm really impressing upon people like yo what i'm doing is great and you should definitely come to my place all the time right but um, I understand it, you know, one cannot live on bread alone. And so you should definitely be checking out these places that are trying. And supporting that work specifically. Absolutely. Because we can't, again, you know, arguably I shouldn't had had to create Streetlight Guild. Okay. In theory, I should have been able to go to an existing institution and do everything I wanted to do there and accomplish it there. They should have received me. They should have wanted to receive me. They should have lined that all up. And it just didn't work out that way. You know, that just didn't exist. Okay. Um, and that's because those institutions and those organizations need to be also be trained right. and taught and made accountable. Well, and I think if you... Let's say you were trying to do something 10 years ago sure. and you went to the museum yeah. or the Wexner Center or, you know, if you went to the museum, the Wexner Center or Kappa like that on, off the top of my head, mm -hmm. all of them would say something like, we don't do that. Yeah. Like, that's not the work we present. Um, I think, you know, Counterfeit Madison winning the, the Wexner Residency Award is a fantastic example of that organization. Full, full disclosure, I used to work there. And mm -hmm. so it warmed my heart that like they did that. Um, 
but yeah, I think you're absolutely right that that evolution is happening. I mean, and just to point that example out with the WEX, that's another one where they're they are they've become aware of the mm-hmm. deficiencies. They understand that there's kind of a cultural war happening here. Yeah. In the city, right? That's how I literally define that. Okay. And there And you mean cultural as a larger word there. Like you're not talking about the art specifically. Correct. Or, okay. Absolutely. And so, you know, and they've taken steps to begin to address uh, those deficiencies and and kind of fall on the right side of history in that war, so to speak. Right. You know, when they brought in Lomax uh, last year, yeah. they weren't just bringing in a drummer and a yeah. composer, right? They he, were bringing he in, in turn, a Columbus. Yeah, and You're he right. in turn, you know, you know, gave agency to other artists to create whole nights of programming. You know, I did three shows with Crate Digger there, you know, and that was like a multidisciplinary event. Yeah. And, you know, there were a few shows like that that kind of got shepherded in, you know, when you do the right things. Yeah, you know? well, and what's interesting to me is like you don't, so the Wexner Center, you know, at its core, it's a world-class multidisciplinary arts institution, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that just by virtue of sort of when you add when you say world class, you say, oh, well, we can't do stuff from Columbus. Mm-hmm. We need to be looking outside and bringing it in. Yeah. And you don't have to. You can be world class and be. You said it better than I will. A, a representative of the city in which you are functioning. Sure. Now, at the same time, though, okay, we have to be very honest all the way through that process. Okay. So we need to be honest. Okay, yes, we have world-class talent here, but do we have enough? Mm-hmm. You know, at what point does that, what is the magic number, if there is such a thing, of, of world-class X that makes us a world-class city? Now, we're not there yet. Okay. I don't know what that number is, but I know that we're not there yet. I mean, is there a metric? I'm the guy who's always asking sure, about like sure. KPIs and metrics. Is, do you you say you don't know what that I number is? I don't know. Okay. What What do you think? What What is... It's like an 80s... Is there, right, mm-hmm. but is there... A, do you envision a future where there's a moment that you can be like, look what we did? I, I envision a possible future. Okay. Right. Again, I I don't think it's too late. I do think that we're not there yet. And Mm -hmm. I do think we are still fully capable of blowing it. Right. Right. If you, um, for instance, if you call in creatives or artists or organizers who are original, if you call them in to do things and then you don't let them do what they do, then you've effectively not done that thing. Right. Right. And if you do that in the, all the key places and then you do that enough, they're not going to participate in the process, right? Right. Um, or You they have can't, to or, continue to give an artist agency in their work. I mean, if that's what you're about, yeah. I yeah. mean, you're certainly capable and allowed to do whatever you want with your venue and your institution. Mm-hmm. But if you claim certain things, there are certain things that you should be doing. Got it. Scott, thank you so much for your time. Uh, Thank you. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. Again, you can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. 
Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of the Confluence Cast with your friends, family, contacts, enemies, your favorite organizer. If you're interested in sponsoring the Confluence Cast, get in touch with us. We can be reached by email at info at theconfluencecast.com. Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. Our producer is Philip Cogley. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a great week. Thank you.